Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Nitromania podcast. And what a show we have for you this week. My name is Adam. I'm your host, and this is the show where we chronicle what went right before it all went so very, very, very wrong. As mentioned the last two weeks, this is a big, huge, triple-dipper supersode of Nitromania, as we will not only be covering the Nitro before Starcade, but also Starcade itself and the Nitro that followed it. Joining me this week to help me out with this monumental task is a man whose experience in recording podcasts about horror shows makes him more than suited for this. For, for, for this. Not only does he host NXT Revisited, Glow Stick, and The Rundown here on this very feed, but also the Pen15... No, that's not it. Uh, oh, the Geek and Gate. Nope, that's not it either. Oh, yes. The Slasher Sanitarium. Ladies and gentlemen, Troy is here. At least when I when I quit a podcast, I close it down. So <laughs> you can you can go ahead and shove it with uh, talking about my <laughs> failed pod, podcast endeavors. Oh, yeah. So this was grueling, but uh, I guess we'll talk about it. <laughs> sure. How you been, pal? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm alive. I, uh, (laughs) it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks for trying to get uh, content out, but that's because it's, I try to do way more than I have time for. So eventually I'll get back on track and finish some of the things I started. Hey, I'm here. So, and I appreciate that. All right. For those of you who have not been following along as we head into the go home nitro for Starcade, we've been promised Ric Flair versus the macho man for the world title. Uh, also, Flair, Sting, and Luger competing in a triangle match at Starcade to determine the number one contender for Savage's title, a position which doesn't seem to mean jack squat, considering that they've given Luger, Giant, and Flair title shots for free in the four weeks leading up to the show. Plus, Savage has promised Hogan a free title shot down the line should he defeat Flair tonight and then whoever wins on Wednesday at Starcade. I want to throw a guess out there that it'll be Sting, given that he's the only one in the triangle match who wasn't already given a shot. Uh, speaking of Hogan, Sting, and Savage, the three best friends who usually can't stand each other can't ever seem to be on the same page regarding Sting's friendship with Luger. Also, at the end of last week's Nitro, Hogan went crazy with a chair and should be suspended tonight, so we'll see what happens there. Troy, are you ready to get into this? I guess. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, December 25th. Merry Christmas, Troy. Uh. 1995, and we are... Not live from an undisclosed location that looks oddly similar to the arena they were in last week. Weird. At the desk, Keenan is wearing a white sweater and a Santa hat. Bischoff is doing his best Stephen Colbert impression in a gray sweater and glasses. And Mongo is wearing a very festive black leather Harley Davidson jacket. Pepe is dressed like Santa. Fuck you. How often do you think that that thing is shit in Mongo's lap? (laughs) Not often enough (laughs) is the answer to that question i hate that fucking dog uh mongo immediately proves that he doesn't actually know which holiday it is by promising a night of action that will cure a turkey hangover (laughs) wrong uh the desk itself is suitably holiday themed with pine garland and christmas ornaments not to mention uh, some lovely flowers in the wcw logo some poinsettias. Poinsettias. Some poinsettias. Your opening contest tonight is Lex Luger. Wow! Oh! Without Pyro, but with Jimmy Hart. His opponent tonight is last week's opponent's tag team partner, Scotty Riggs. 
In the crowd, on the hard camera side, is a person dressed as a bee. On the other side is the same fan from last week who is dressed like Hulk Hogan, but really looks like the Huckster from those WWF promos, uh, more so than he actually does the Hulk, the Hulkster. Uh, another decent match from Luger ends with Luger making Riggs submit to the torture rack. In two weeks, Luger has defeated a set of former tag team champions. What did you think of, of your opening contest on Christmas? I thought it was a good mullet versus mullet match. Of course. Um, it is It is the mid-90s after all. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, wrote down here, Luger was outside the ring for a good solid 32 count at one point in time during this match. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I forgot, I forgot how much I like Scotty Riggs. I was a huge fan of him during his flock years. I didn't realize that this was the same guy at first, because uh, <laughs> here he looks kind of like Eddie Guerrero. So, but yeah, torture rack for the win. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> Bischoff sends us to mean Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. On the ramp who gets startled by Sting's pyro. Exactly the same way I put it in my <laughs> <laughs> Sting doesn't even have the decency to change face paint and tights from last week to this week. Gene asks Sting about Luger, and Sting gets upset, because why would Mean Gene try to do any cutting journalistic, you know, mm-hmm. questioning? Uh, speaking of Luger, he and Riggs seem to have completely disappeared, as we never see them leave the ring or the ringside area. Okay, so I am convinced that these are not taking place in the arena. <laughs> that, that that these mean gene talking at the at the ramp is actually taped before everyone gets there because it so? it does it does not seem like this is taking place right after the match that we just had because like you said first of all the the two other Luger and Riggs are just gone and then later on it even seems like it's just like wait weren't they just some guys in the ring like are they just waiting until this like interview is over it I, I'm convinced at this point that these are actually pre tapes. <laughs> an interesting theory i hadn't even considered that somehow it wouldn't surprise me though yeah yeah i like uh, i also like the fact that sting is going to face a guy who looks really really similar to the big boss man <laughs> gene then asks sting about flair sting promises to lock flair in the death lock and never let go i'll never let go sting that's right uh sting is also on team america world police against new japan at Starcade on wednesday it is Sting versus the aforementioned Big Bubba when we come back. Uh, Bubba enters when we return from break. Sting then enters again for some reason. I don't know why he couldn't have just gone to the ring. He also looked really con- Gene. He also looked really confused during his entrance. Like he wasn't <laughs> quite sure if he was supposed to be doing it again. Like he's like, wait, didn't didn't we do this already? I feel weird doing this. <laughs> during this match, Bischoff offhandedly tells us that Hogan has been suspended for. The rest of 1995, which, mm-hmm. again, at this point, is six days. Yeah. And that he has lost his world title shot. Aw. Another decent match. Nothing special. Ends with Sting countering some top rope maneuver into a small package in a ridiculous looking spot. What'd you think of that one? I, I mean, it's this is like prime Sting here. Um, he's, he's doing a lot more than he does once he puts on the, 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 uh, crow outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really enjoyed, I, I completely forgot that Starcade is going to be the, the world cup. And so when they started talking about WCW versus new Japan first, I was like, that is so fucking weird to hear an organization openly talk about another organization on their show. <laughs> and then I was even more surprised when I'm like, oh, they're actually going to like compete against each other. Uh, and then, of course, because Bobby Heenan 
is uh, racist, he brings up the fact that the Dodgers pitcher is one of those Japanese guys. <laughs> so <laughs> this was this was the like this almost sets the tone for the pay per view because the pay per view is really racist. <laughs> still, still no rice cakewalk like from two weeks ago. True, that is true. <laughs> we're not we're not quite there, but we're, we're close. When we come back, Gene is with Luger and Jimmy Hart in the aisle yesterday. Uh, did they switch <laughs> these two promos in the show order? Anyway, Gene makes fun of Jimmy's shoes for some reason and then asks Luger what the deal is. Luger says, there's no deal. They've just been friends for a while. Luger says again that he is the uncrowned WCW champion and we get a random shot of Sting just standing around scoffing. Uh, Sergeant Craig then appears out of nowhere, scares the shit out of Mean Gene, and demands that Jimmy Hart manage him. I don't know where this uh, this thing is going with Sergeant Craig, but it needs to fucking stop. So Jimmy, this, this is also the point where where I really started to feel like these interviews were done with an empty arena because then I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, wait, is this entire interview going on with Sting still in the ring, hanging out? Because we don't see him leave either. Yeah. It just goes right to this thing. It's just like, well, now they're talking about Sting. You think he would just like walk up to him and be like, I'm right here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, my notes say some dude walks out because yeah, I didn't know who this was. <laughs> that's our buddy Sergeant Craig. Okay. Uh, Jimmy tells him basically to go fuck himself and we go to break. <laughs> yeah. Craig, I still, the funniest thing that's ever happened on Nitro is, is Sergeant Craig asking Bobby Heenan to manage him to the world title because Sergeant Craig is never going to have the world title ever. No chance. Uh, back from break for Dean Malenko versus JL. Uh, good fast-paced match. I'm pretty sure JL either broke his arm or dislocated his elbow on a top rope spot, leading to a submission victory for Malenko on the leg lock that followed. Did you did you notice that? Um, I think what, what I got here. Um, yeah, I've got that that something didn't look right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best way I could put it. Um, and I and I would hate to to miss the opportunity to talk about Dean in his tiny vest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a flash forward to when the Radicals debuted and on Monday Night Raw and Eddie Guerrero dislocated his elbow on the frog splash. Oh, <laughs> you may notice that we're that we're really kind of blasting through Nitro, but goddamn it, we got show we got three shows to cover. Well, here, so we, we can't we can't dilly dilly. There also, was not a, there was not, not a lot to talk about here. It's, it's the it's the Christmas episode of Nitro, so nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, I also noticed that the ref did stop counting while JL's shoulders were down during this match, too. <laughs> so I guess it was it was the weirdest thing, too, because he's like, one, and then he just stopped. And I'm just like, I was like, he didn't move. Like, you yeah. have to keep going until there, he gets the shoulders up. There there are some referee issues that, that come up in, in Starcade that we'll talk about. Um, we come back, and Gene is surprise in the aisle wow. with rick flair who has a shot at savage and his title tonight flair promises to win tonight uh jimmy hart then appears to apologize to rick on kevin sullivan's behalf jimmy says he owes his life to flair thanks to flair saving him from getting savage's fist shoved down his throat two weeks ago Gross. jimmy wants to return the favor by accompanying flair to the ring tonight and we're promised that that match is next enter flair again with Hart when we come back uh, Mongo again talks about eating turkey on Christmas because he's an idiot. Enter Savage, who does have the decency to have changed clothes since last week's show. Uh, for some reason, Savage locks Flair in the figure four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you heard that right. Less than four minutes into the match, Flair eventually dumps Savage to the outside and Jimmy lays some kicks into the macho man. Flair attacks outside as we go to break. 
When we come back, they're still outside. A very lenient 10 count on the part of Randerson, I suppose. I, and I put that Savage was outside for a good 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and Flair whips Savage into the barricade. Flair heads back into the ring. Savage grabs a chair from the front row and takes about 15 seconds to lift it over the barricade. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Randerson takes the chair away, and we're back in the ring, finally. Uh, Jimmy chokes Savage on the apron and Flair goes back on the offensive. We get some sort of arm lock that leads to about 16 near falls in a row. Uh, the match comes to a close when Savage knocks Hart off the apron. This causes Luger to run to the ring and attack Savage, causing the disqualification. Sting then runs down where he's waylaid by Flair. A brawl breaks out. Sting and Savage dump Flair and Luger and Savage and Sting jaw at each other and stare each other down as we go off the air. Your thoughts on the world title main event? Um, first thought was I was curious as to how Savage was already balding here. Um, <laughs> uh, also, this match was kind of boring, and it went for far too long for it to end in a Luger run-in. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're four pay-per-views in here, and it still surprises me how very little these go-home shows seem to relate to the pay-per-view that follows. Uh, until the very end when there's a brawl or some other kind of chaos. Um, what did you think of the episode as a whole? Um, as a whole, I thought that the, the matches themselves were actually pretty good, mm -hmm. uh, other than kind of our main event here, but I've always had an issue with flare matches. Yeah. Um, you know, Malenko versus Tubby Luchador was, I think, probably one of the, one of the better matches on, on the card there. Uh, I also have to wonder if Jimmy Hart is the one booking the show because he was in like 90% of this <laughs> and continues to annoy the piss out of me every chance he gets. Of course. Yeah. But I guess that's his character. So he's, he's doing right. what he's supposed to do. But, um, and considering, considering this was a Christmas episode, all they did was kind of change the set. They didn't really do yeah. anything else, which which I liked because WWE tends to go way too fucking overboard with, <laughs> with let's make let's dress up Mick Foley as Santa Claus and have him come out. So the fact that like let's this, put a Christmas tree and eighteen hundred presents on the aisle, one of them yeah. is human sized, and so somebody can jump out of it during a street fight. Yeah, so I I like that. It was like okay, well this we, we've got a show to do. Yes, we know it's Christmas. We're gonna throw some shit out there. And we're going to have our, our, you know, shitty announcer dress up as dog. But other than that, yeah, we're, you know, so not, not a terrible episode, but Jimmy Hart, he makes me want to slip my wrists. So, yeah. Yeah. As a, as a standalone episode, I thought it was pretty good. Some more solid matches like last week. And you have to give Macho Man credit for having two big title matches in what I assume was the same night. I'm assuming these were both recorded the previous Monday. Uh, Cage Match agrees with this uh, with this show holding a 5.92 rating out of 10. Highest vote is an 8, lowest is a 4. Score The show scored a 2.5 TV rating, down from last week, but then again, it is Christmas. Uh, meanwhile, over on Monday Night Raw, nothing happened because there wasn't a Raw. Oh. <laughs> well, that's an easy win. <laughs> Elsewhere in the world on Christmas 95, American singer and actor Dean Martin died at the age of 78. Aww. Now he's, he's beaten Jesus in heaven. <laughs> uh, anything else to add about this episode of Nitro before we move on to the pay-per-view? Mm, I didn't really feel like it mentioned the World Cup all that much. <clears throat> they they kind of talked yeah. about it a little bit during the match, but then a lot of the stuff was just like, well, this next pay-per-view, even though it's like our big thing, we have one match that actually means something. And the rest of the matches don't mean anything. So I yeah. guess we're just going to pretend that that's not something happening this 
Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, that seems to be a trend for these go-home shows. They really don't seem to promote the pay-per-view at all. And maybe it's because, we, I've talked about this previously on the show, maybe it's because it's, this is still early in Nitro's run, so it's not really the flagship show of the of the company at this point. So most of the promoting is done on other shows. I don't know, but it's, it's still weird to me to, to, to watch and not have the Monday night show be the big show. Cause that's what I'm so used to. Yeah, that is true that this, this felt more like a, um, uh, WWE heat episode before, <laughs> <laughs> before anything where it's like, yeah, we, we, we know that there's something more coming up here, but eh, we're just not going to really talk about it. <laughs> All right, we open Starcade with the voice of an unknown announcer telling us that WCW has accepted the challenge of New Japan Pro Wrestling for the World Cup of Professional Wrestling. Benoit versus Liger, Guerrero versus Otani, Bad versus Saito, Kanemoto versus Wright, Luger versus Chono, Savage versus Tenzan, and Sting versus Sasaki. Does that mean if WCW or New Japan win the first four matches, then the other three won't happen? Because I'm perfectly fine with that. This is another one of those things where you're just like, clearly, we're going to go. To, <laughs> we're going to go to five matches when when that is your like your and like that was the other thing too. It's just like you should probably have it go opposite if you're really gonna break kayfabe and make sure like that last match is like a, a, a pretty good guy but you're like i'm not going to save flair with the the chance that we might not get to him yes yeah save sting for last just in case oh, yeah, sorry, just in sting, case sting, yep, just in sorry. case just, yep, yep he's he's just there in case our other guys didn't get the job done <laughs> anyway it is wednesday still weird december 27th 1995 and we are live from nashville tennessee of all places uh, Tony immediately calls this the granddaddy of them all. And at I noticed the desk, that too. <laughs> at the desk is Tony, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes, so you know you're in for a good night. Oh, God. <laughs> Tony reminds us of Dusty's history with Starcade, and Dusty promises us some clubberin' and some hiney kickin'. Uh, he then called Heenan the weasel, which offends him. Bobby tells us that Savage is in trouble, he's hurt, he's got that bad arm, and he thinks that Ric Flair is the next champion of the world. Your opening contest tonight is Chris Benoit versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Benoit is alone. Uh, Liger is accompanied by Sonny Ono. Get used to that. Uh, yeah, so, Dusty- um, so I've never heard of this Chris Benoit guy before. Chris, Chris But um, he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got, he's got a bright future. Yeah, I would say as long as he keeps in, keeps in shape, that he probably does have a really, really bright future ahead of him. Um, in more in in a more serious tone, I don't ever remember Liger working heel. So this was kind of jarring for me because it, in my in my limited time with WCW, or I kind of bounced in and out and everything like that. <laughs> your li- your limited time with WCW, aka the research for this episode, the research for this episode, and <laughs> and the times and any time that WWE had went to commercial. Uh, <laughs> I. I I only remember Liger being a, a monster face. Yeah. So having well, that's him kinda, work this match heel was weird. That's one of the side effects of this show. And I, we, we'll get to that a little later on in the notes here. But where anyone on Team WCW is the face in these matches because it's a WCW show. Um, this was, yeah, that, by the way, that's, that's, that's for those of you keeping track at home, that's one Benoit joke. That's one Benoit keep a, joke. So keep a running tally, would you? Yeah. My, uh, this was also one of two matches where the crowd chanted USA. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that as well, <laughs> actually, in the next sentence. Um, yeah. uh, Dusty then immediately calls him, calls Sonny Ono, Sonny Bono, which oh, he yeah. corrects. 
This happens, again, more than once. Please note that Benoit is fighting for what is essentially Team USA, despite mm-hmm. being Canadian. Uh, here's the pattern I've noticed. Uh, War Games had two rings. Halloween Havoc had one. World War Three had three rings. Starcade had one. So whatever the next pay-per-view is, that'll have five rings, right? Right? Uh, yeah. I think, that's, that, that, I think that, that seems to be the way it works in WCW. That, that math checks out. Perfect. Um, here's another question. Was Starcade 95 the inspiration for the w, for WCW versus the World, which released for the PlayStation in 1996 in Japan and 97 in North America and Europe? Maybe. That, that it, it may, it may miles be. I can tell you this, this was an inspiration for me to want to grow a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being able to see the future, I can't help but notice that the emblem on Liger's chest kind of resembles the redesigned WCW logo that debuts right before the end of the company. Uh, I also can't help but notice how goddamn slow this referee is counting these pinfalls. <laughs> yeah, being able to see the future, I also know that... Chris Benoit <laughs> surprisingly was not referred to as a murderer in this match, which I enjoyed. Uh, wait until we get to WWE because they love to talk about how much of a murderer he is and how much he wants to hurt people. Uh, but also two, two, that's two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was kind of a surprise by the fact that Chris Benoit always wore pants i always i thought maybe there was a time that maybe he would be rocking the trunks but um, not, not, not a leg man yeah these these pants are are uh not nearly as bad as his triple h pants on the next <laughs> show <laughs> where it's got that like weird color right in the, the crotch, yeah, the crotch yeah. yeah that seems to be a four horseman thing because because pillman wears those as well mm-hmm. the, the four the four h on the side because you know they're farm folk yeah exactly uh, and, then the, and then the odd colored crotch yeah, I also completely forgot that Chris Benoit was a member of the Four Horsemen during this. <laughs> this Odd thing. colored crotch, by the way, is the name of my Pussycat Dolls cover band. Oh, hey, there you go, there you go. Um, so yeah, so I, um, we, what is Chris Benoit's finisher right now? Because he's clearly not using the bullflex to end matches it's, right now. It, it's so, the headbutt. It's the diving headbutt. Oh, see, I I worry that that might take a toll on him. Hmm. <laughs> mm. That's three. Uh, uh, technically four. You missed the Bullflex joke. Oh, <laughs> I was counting those as the same joke. Oh, okay. uh, the end of the match comes when Kevin Sullivan comes to ringside and distracts Benoit. Uh, Jimmy Hart tries to tear Sullivan off the ring apron while Liger hits, sorry, botches a Hurricane Rana into a pinfall <laughs> for the victory. Uh, minus the ending, I think this was a spectacular match. Uh, Luger and Benoit, Luger, nope, Liger nope. and Benoit had the crowd eating out of their palms of their hands. Uh, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I um, this match didn't put me put me to sleep. Um, <laughs> I thought that uh, with a was, with a Bible next to you. Yep, yep. That, okay, that, that that definitely didn't happen. <laughs> Five. Um, and yeah, it you know any pretty much any match with Chris Benoit uh, not only is you know gonna make me think about uh, Daniel jokes, but it's also <laughs> gonna, <laughs> but it's also you know great to see even now how how good he is in the ring, and obviously putting yeah. him with a guy like Liger. Uh, is is perfect because they're they're obviously they have a history even before WCW. Sure. Um, uh, this is another issue that I have where, yes, I've been, I've been listening to your show, but I I don't pay attention enough to like who is on whose side. Mm-hmm. Like I have no idea 
how many people Jimmy Hart manages, but it seems to be, <laughs> but it seems to be everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when, uh, when Kevin, Kevin Sullivan came out and instantly regretted the fact that he introduced Chris Benoit to his wife, <laughs> it was, it was like, I guess he's a, a Chris Benoit's son? No, maybe, no. Is he working with, I don't, I don't know. Uh, also, this, this was the start of the terrible Bobby Heenan throughout the show his terrible jokes about trying to like him being a member of like team japan and and everything of that and it was Mm -hmm. it was so hard to listen to because yeah and that's that's something that henry mentioned on on the first pay-per-view episode that we did uh the fact that that they basically sold out starcade their biggest show of the year they sold it out for this just odd bobby heenan sunny ono selling the company to japan gimmick that just kind of yeah and and his he had so many bad delivery things too where he he'd be like excited to be like oh yeah that was good for wcw i was like this is the same guy who was like who's regarded as a legend like he's terrible in this this whole (laughs) show uh speaking of terrible let's talk about that eddie guerrero promo (laughs) (laughs) but we go backstage where Gene is with Eddie Guerrero. Eddie is very upset that Kevin Sullivan cost Team WCW the match. Gene asks Eddie for his thoughts on Otani as someone almost enters the room behind Eddie. Uh, Eddie promises that he's done everything he needs to have done to prepare for this match. Eddie is nowhere near as comfortable on the mic as he will be in his time in WWE. His cadence is almost Kalisto levels bad in this. (laughs) Yeah. I just memorized this two minutes ago. I'm <laughs> cool. going to tell you about it now. Yeah, clearly, clearly he, he needs a little bit of work done on this. <laughs> uh, your next match, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Koji Kanemoto taking on Alex Wright. I feel like WCW is about to go down 0-2 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crowd immediately begins chanting, USA, <laughs> USA, for a match between a Japanese guy and a German. Not to, Not just a... Like you could maybe say, okay, well, Chris Benoit, he's he's Canada, at least as North America. Alex Wright's gimmick, <laughs> which by the way is the exact same gimmick he has until he retires, yep. is Das Wunderkind. Yep. The the German fucking like you cannot get any you could you could call him German McGerman face. That's the only way you could make him more <laughs> German at this point. And they're still like USA. Why are they not chanting WCW? Cause they're cause it's Nashville and they're idiots. Sorry, <laughs> I Nashville. Guess so. Uh, also, uh, meanwhile, also, Tony and a, Dusty talk uh, about dancing. Go ahead. Yeah. I also wrote down that this guy's name was Caddy Mofo, because that's what <laughs> I heard it as. <laughs> um, and my favorite Dusty line on this, his feetsies were on the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shivani, I actually kind of have the same comment. Shivani playing the straight man to Heenan and neither of them knowing what the hell Dusty is talking about is probably my favorite thing about this, about this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. Um, as I predicted, Kanemoto takes the second match. Sorry, Kenny Mofo takes the second match with a jackknife <laughs> cover. Another great fast-paced match. I feel like they have, should have split these up, given the Macho Man match we're going to have to sit through later. Oh, boy. But uh, what are you going to do? Uh, you got to build that drama somehow, I suppose. What did you think of, uh, of uh, Kanemoto versus Alex Wright? Uh, I believe that this was also the first reference to a rickshaw, which would then be referenced <laughs> pretty much every single match after this. Um the the match itself yeah i mean come on this i i don't know who caddy mofo is but he was really good and alex wright has always been one yeah. of those guys that yep. he can put on a great match he just couldn't talk so 
That's why he really wasn't pushed that much. <laughs> At the desk, they talk about how Team WCW can regroup. But we go back to Gene, who's going to talk to Sonny Ono. But first, we need to call the hotline for a story about an unnamed superstar being paid an unknown amount of money. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, then Sonny appears, promising to sweep Team WCW, purchase the company, and then purchase the state of Iowa. Gene- <laughs> <laughs> this was odd, too, because Gene was like, so this, this is another, this is almost, uh, Gene gets a little racist here, too, because he's like, he's like, I guess Iowa's for sale, but you Japanese people would know that, which is like, what does that mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like you're meeting that in a respectful manner. Yeah, Gene, I actually wrote, Gene gets upset at Sonny and seems to almost call him a racial slur as oh we go gosh. back to the desk. I, I was <laughs> waiting for it, too. I'm like, I was like, I'm like, I, I wonder if, if there's like just like a, a big dropout of sound of this. I'm going to assume that somebody used a racist term. <laughs> uh, match number three is Masahiro Chono versus Lex Luger. Tony tells us that Choner is uh, Chono is the master of the STF. I think John Cena would like a word. <laughs> yep, I, I I caught that too. I'm like I was like, all right. First of all, the guy's name is Chono, which is I thought was weird. And then yeah, like the master of the STF is like is, and then they tried to build it up as like he could he could put the STF on a bunch of different ways. And I'm like, no, you can you really <laughs> really can just, only just, put just that the one. one. Yeah, just the yeah. one time. Uh, but a huge pop for for Luger here. Yeah. And finally, which is the first one he's had. Finally, someone on Team USA is from Team USA. <laughs> uh, Lex eventually wins the match with the torture rack. The match was okay. Not as good as either of the first two, but perfectly watchable. My personal highlight of the match was Shivoni calling a move a mafia kick, which Dusty and Brain start harassing him about for using the move's actual name instead of just calling it a boot to the face, including the Sicilian elbow the Yugoslavian neckbreaker and Heenan saying he kicked his Bosnian butt. Yeah. This was funny, but at the same time, like now you're just making fun of the guy for doing a good job. Right. Right. <laughs> Something he won't do later on in his career. That is um, true. <laughs> this is a very bizarre show to me. We talked about it earlier because the concept of this show means that fans are cheering for team WCW, whether the participants in the match are heels or faces. They've cheered for Benoit. Who's a horseman. Mm-hmm. They cheered for Luger. Who's with Jimmy Hart, who's, who screwed over, uh, you know, in the Dungeon of Doom after they screwed over, you know, Hulk Hogan. Um, it's just, it's so, I don't know. Your thoughts on, on Luger versus, uh, Cholo, Chono? Um, <laughs> Luger seems to win a lot of matches via surprise torture rack because <laughs> this is another one where he, he out of was, nowhere, he was kind of getting dominated. And then he just kind of like picks up Chono and puts him in the torture rack. They're like, Oh, I guess it's over. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Luger's finish is I'm getting blown up. Get on my shoulders. Yeah, that that's essentially what it looks like. Where it's just like, oh fuck, I can't, I can't go anymore. Let's go. Let's broaden. Back- <laughs> yeah. Backstage, Gene is with Sting. They're excited that it's now two to one, and Sting says that Johnny B. Bad is about to even the score. Gene reminds us that Sasaki took the U.S. title from Sting in Japan a couple months ago, but that title's not on the line tonight. So who the fuck cares? Sting says pride is on the line tonight, and then they talk about Luger some more. Really getting tired of this Luger Sting thing, but more on that in the coming weeks, I think. Mm, yeah, exactly. And again, this was one of those things where I'm like, I was like, okay, they keep keep saying it's this is the World Cup, even though I don't really recall there ever being a cup. And also, like, there doesn't really seem to be anything on the line where it's like, if I would be understand if it was like, because Sunny. 
because Sonny Ono doesn't say like when we win this we'll have control of the company he literally says like I'm going to have to buy the company so <laughs> it's not like the company's on the line either yeah yeah who knows uh, it turns out it doesn't matter but we'll get to oh, that back to the ring for the fourth <laughs> World Cup match Johnny B. Bad versus Masa Saito Saito Suplex that guy I think probably I think uh, so yeah Kimberly shows off her tumbling skills during Johnny's entrance. Johnny is so excited about Starcade that he and Kimberly shoot their loads of confetti on the crowd. Uh, Ono takes the mic and tells Nick Patrick that Kimberly shouldn't be at ringside. She should be at home cooking and washing dishes. So now we get into the battle of sexism versus <laughs> racism. Kimberly then calls, takes the mic and calls Sonny Hop Singh, mm-hmm. the Chinese cook and servant on the television show Bonanza. Of course, of despite of the fact, aware. despite the fact that Sonny Ono is Japanese. Japanese, yeah. <laughs> uh, she then tells him while looking entirely at the crowd that this ain't no Japanese bathhouse, that she ain't no geisha. Mm-hmm. And of course, if this is a man's sport, what are you doing here? Offensive. Which, that wasn't a bad line, but the first two lines are where you're like, okay. <laughs> the third, one's, okay. the third okay. one's not a bad line until you remember that Sonny Ono is gay. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Yeah. And also, I had no fucking clue who this chick was. And <laughs> I also had no fucking clue that that was Johnny B. Bad until they said Johnny B. Bad. I was like, oh, that is him. Yeah. Because first of all, he comes up to terrible country music. So I was like, I'm like, is the hockey talk man part of WCW? Oh, no, no, it's not him. All right. It's, it's not even terrible country music. It's supposed to be a takeoff of Little Richard because that's the fucking gimmick. Uh, but yeah. the Kimberly Kimberly is the diamond doll, Kimberly oh, Page. Yeah. yeah. I figured that out uh, after a little bit, but I was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is who, this chick doing like gymnastics? <laughs> who, despite just now basically, you know, promoting her independence as a woman, uh, Johnny B. Bad won from DDP at, at, at the last pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because right now, look, I, I choose to be an object. I don't, I don't choose <laughs> to, be, to be insulted by you saying that I should be home cooking. Well, you're also, she's also not doing anything. So I don't, yeah. I don't think that Sonny Omer was, that was, a, that was Andy's chief complaint last, last month that she doesn't do anything. Yeah. Also, uh, Masa Saito is a big fucking dude. He is a big fucking dude. Uh, the two men try some technical maneuvers, and then it just breaks down into a slugfest. This match had such potential, I feel, but it ends when Sonny Ono hops up on the apron to distract Johnny. Saito attacks Johnny from behind and then dumps him over the top rope, taking Sonny to the floor with him. Nick Patrick then calls for the disqualification, citing a rule they haven't cared about in months, mm-hmm. and awards the match to Johnny, putting the score at 2-2. So the so the 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 five person tournament or the you know, the five match tournament to decide the World Cup seven seven, seven. Uh, and one of the victories WCW gets is by default <laughs> by, by DQ by DQ through and the over through the over the top rope rule which they've been ignoring and making excuses for not enforcing for mm. months at this point. Yeah. Also, I'm very curious as on who uh, decided. First of all, who would be a member of Team WCW, but also in what order they would go. Because Johnny B. Bad should probably not be your third or fourth person <laughs> in the stream where you're starting to get down to the numbers on here. Because, yes, there was a potential that Johnny B. Bad could have been the fourth loss in a row for their team <laughs> and be gone. And you would not have had a Sting at all in this. 
Or, we got uh, we got Sting out there. We got Macho Man out there. Let's have Bad doing cleanup. Yep. Yeah. Because you know we're we're. I mean, I guess they're just like, look, we're so we're so confident in our first three picks that Johnny Bad, even if he loses, it's fine. We still yeah. have Eddie after him, and and Man. if Eddie loses, eh, fuck it. You know, we it's okay. surely. We still got surely, stuff. surely Benoit or Wright will pick up a victory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way that they, there's no way that they would both lose. No, no. Uh, we then get a promo for Super Brawl, which isn't until February 11th. So apparently, there's no pay per view in January. Uh, we go to Mean Gene, who's with Luger and Jimmy Hart. Gene asks Jimmy what the deal is with Kevin Sullivan. Jimmy says Kevin has a short fuse, and Gene asks him how he knows that, as though they haven't been working together for the last two months. Gene then asks Lex about the triangle match later. Luger pretends he's on the same level as Sting and Flair and promises again to win the match and win the title. Luger tells us that he will be alone in the triangle match. Match number five, <laughs> Shinjiro Otani versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, in the beginning of the match, Dusty tells us that he remembers Otani's name using a mnemonic that reminds him of his favorite alcoholic beverage, a hot toddy. Seriously. God bless you, Dusty. Uh, Dusty then calls him Sonny Bono again, twice within a minute and a half. Again, he did it. (laughs) Randy Eller, the referee, continues to count incredibly slowly following a devastating powerbomb from Eddie and then a brain buster afterwards. This this Randy also doesn't count any disqualifications when Otani is trying to rip Eddie's nose off his face. Uh, Randy is doing such a poor job that even Shivani comments on a slow count. The end of the match comes with a series of reversed roll-ups and a fast count from Eller giving Otani the victory and a 3-2 lead for New Japan. If this Eller thing isn't part of an angle, he is a terrible referee. Your yeah. thoughts Your thoughts on the match and Eller's refereeing prowess. This is another one of those situations where, like, I don't, I don't know half of these New Japan guys, and I also don't know, like, their place in the New Japan card. So there's there's got to be one of those things where like there had to have been a conversation between both bookers of these things to be like look um we we've got this guy Chris Benoit um he's he's kind of the next big thing that we've got here but now you're saying that you want your guy to go over so we have to have some of our guys go over in, in other matches so i guess the trade off is going to be that Johnny B bad gets a win <laughs> and you're just like all right all right but, All right, but but make it by disqualification. Yeah, but make it by disqualification, and because because Johnny Bad's going to get a win, make sure to have that other new up and coming guy. You've got Eddie Guerrero. Make sure he loses too. <laughs> ah, you got me in a corner, but yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, backstage, Mean Gene is with Savage. Savage wi- Savage whispers a whole bunch of shit. Quotes Buzz Lightyear twice. There's twice. a lot of cocaine. Twice there's a lot of there's a there's a whole lot of cocaine going on here. Yeah, he also drops a a, a line from a Doors song, and yeah, <laughs> I was do infinity and beyond. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. <laughs> uh, match six, Macho Man versus Tenzan. This match is apparently not for the title, as I've thought it was for the past four weeks. They made uh, sure. That, they made sure. That even the commentators didn't know. Because they're like, this can't be for the belt, right? Like, no, 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 it's not for the belt. Macho's title match is later in the evening against the winner of the triangle match, which now makes me think Flair will win that match because Sting or Luger would be doing triple duty. Yeah. Uh, Tenzan is wearing a robe that says Hiro Yamamoto, despite that not being his name. 
Uh, both of these men are wearing rainbow-colored trunks, so they really shouldn't be fighting. Oh, it was a very bright match. And also, they call tense on the next big thing. And I'm like, bum, I was like, I'm bum, like, dum, I, dum, 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 yeah. dum, 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 dum. It's like of the of the Japanese people on this show, I have heard of two people, and neither of those people are Tenzan. Yeah. By the way, uh, CageMatch.net says that apparently Hiro Yamamoto is Tenzan's uh, shoot name. So ah. why he'd have it on his robe if it's not his ring name, I don't know. But anyways, Weird. um, yeah, Rainbow Pride mm. Baby. Uh, a fairly typical Savage match, as we've described before. Savage spends a good amount of time getting beaten up, then hits the elbow drop for the three count. Shockingly, shockingly, bringing this all down to Sting versus Sasaki. Weird. And also, uh, like, whoever whoever made the or made the decision on who was going to face the WCW guys also decided not to have one of their greatest champions face off against Sting. Instead, have him face Chris Benoit. So that's fine. That's fine. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not. I guess. I guess they thought we're going to front load us, and WCW's like, no, we're going to back load ours. And then somewhere in the middle there, where we'll have, we'll be on even, even peels. And that's where Johnny B. Bad comes in. There you go. <laughs> uh, back at the desk, Keenan is losing his goddamn mind. Uh, Tony sends us to Gino, who tells us that there is a gigantic meltdown happening elsewhere in the wrestling world, which is obviously supposed to intimate Stamford, and you can find out all about it if you call the WCW hotline for just $1.49 a minute. Ask your parents, kids. I think it was literally she- like you would call that, and one guy would be like, yeah, I was I was in the offices in WWF, and... um." Vince was very upset because his hot pocket was cold on the inside and hot on the outside, and he had a huge meltdown. Now, please, now, now, please ask for your parents' credit card because this next minute is going to cost you fifty-two dollars and thirty-seven cents. Was it the Simpsons that did a joke about a hotline like that, where it was like you know a dollar ninety-nine a minute, but the menu, the person on the menu spoke really yeah. slowly. Yep, <laughs> that is definitely something that happened. Gene Gene brings in Ric Flair, who's wearing a Ric Flair Gold's Gym t-shirt, which is pink for some reason. Uh, Flair reminds us that Sting and Luger will have already had matches tonight before the triangle match. He will be fresh, he will be invigorated, and he will sleep with Dolly Parton, apparently. Ah, that was so odd. <laughs> but considering <laughs> was it was it really him, odd? It's Ric Flair, after yeah, all. Yeah, considering it was him, he, one, probably did that, and two, yeah, it wasn't that, that out of the realm of possibility for him to soccer right. out. <laughs> match number seven it all comes down to this what the wcw united states champion kensuke sasaki versus sting and they finally brought the world cup we're fighting over to a table in the aisle uh randy eller is refereeing this match too so we'll see what happens uh a surprisingly brief match ends with sting uh making sasaki tap to the death lock Team USA minus Luger and Benoit run to the ring to celebrate. Savage hugs everyone, which Sting looks puzzled about, and we go to replays. Uh, we come back to the ring, and now everyone is in the ring for the presentation of the ridiculously large cup. Your thoughts on the last match of the World Cup and the World Cup as a whole? Uh, <laughs> this was again where it was like it was like so you're so the person that you're going to have be your last opportunity. <clears throat> Is not Kenji Muto your world champion? It's your United States champion. 
You're not even m- their United States champion. Yeah. The WCW United States champion. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you're not. Which is why I knew he was losing because the other, because the other titles didn't, the other title holders didn't lose. Yeah. Because they were NGPW title holders. Right. You're like, okay, so, so we're going to have the, the, the U.S. champion. We're not going to have the New Japan War- or IWGP world champion out there because, nah, fuck it. We're not even going to have him on a show. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna put i guess the the lower half of our roster because fuck it who cares who cares yeah and yeah this this match was pretty much what you'd expect um mm-hmm. from from sting it was uh, you know when you've got a bunch of guys a bunch of american guys facing a bunch of japanese guys i was surprised at how well all of these matches actually went because the styles would be you know different a lot of you know like you obviously have a language barrier between some of these guys but this that actually wasn't too bad. I mean, this pay per view made no fucking sense and didn't really have any consequences. <laughs> but right, the matches themselves were were pretty good up until yeah. this last one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, back to the table. Bobby is distraught. Tony sends us to a promo for the triangle match. Now, I've spent the last few weeks thinking that a triangle match is the same thing as a triple threat match, but <laughs> of course it's not. It's still a one fall to a finish, but it's a three-person, four-corners match where you have to tag in and out, and that's dumb. Oh, it's very dumb. <laughs> enter Luger, enter Flair, enter Sting. They tell us that a triple coin flip, whatever the fuck that is, will determine the two men who start, but then Luger just leaves the ring and lets Flair and Sting start the match. Uh, we get some drama when Lex threatens to break up a pin, and then finally Flair tags in Sting, and we get what we've been waiting for for months now, Sting versus Luger. Shivani reminds us after being asked by Heenan that the last time these two men met in the ring was Super Brawl 2 in Milwaukee in 1992. You would think that in the 10 years these guys have been best friends that Sting could have taught Luger not to sell like a goddamn moron. Hmm. (laughs) Now remember, the first man to get a pinfall will win the match, which is why Flair wins by countout. Mm -hmm. Luger had Sting in the torture rag, but Nick Patrick caught Sting's boot in his face. Flair chop blocks Luger, dumps him out of the ring, then chucks Sting over the top rope on top of Luger, then wakes up the referee and tells him to count them out, which he does. An interesting way to get to the main event, I suppose. I Uh, guess. After the match, while Sting is yelling at Luger for preventing him from getting back in the ring and Luger is faking a knee injury, Jimmy Hart comes out and celebrates with Flair for some reason. Your thoughts on the triangle match? Um, this was clearly like, okay, we've got these three guys, but we don't want to have any of them lose. How do we do that? <laughs> got it. Let's have a count out in a match that's going to potentially crown your next world champion. Mm-hmm. I've uh, seen I've seen this happen before in a in a tag team title four corners match, but that was an indie promotion that I worked for. Yeah. Where the team that won the match was never actually in the match. But anyway. Yeah. Uh <laughs> thanks thanks for your money. Here's a here's a bullshit finish yeah. to a title contender match. Oh, but wait. Um <laughs> but wait. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> yes. We go to the desk while we wait for Savage to come out, and it is at this point where I notice that Bobby is wearing a nice tuxedo with a cummerbund. Tony is wearing a nice tuxedo with no cummerbund, and Dusty is wearing a tuxedo jacket. In fact, the fanciest of the three tails the whole works over a black Western-style T-shirt and blue jeans. Of course. And I would bet good money, good money, that he's also wearing cowboy boots. Oh, to the ring. Sure. <laughs> to the ring, it is Michael Buffer time. Let's see what he screws up tonight, other than that cue. 
Uh, Macho Man enters, and then Buffer starts talking and talking. And talking and talking and talking and talking. Good God, just say their fucking names, Michael. We know that Randy is a Slim Jim spokesman. You don't need to fucking tell us that in his match intro. Right. A man who who was paid $1.5 million in order to hawk Slim Jim, which is meat (laughs) that they cannot sell in stores. He is your world wrestling... Oops, wrong, <laughs> wrong one. Your world championship wrestling champion. The man who is the godchild, <laughs> the godson of one of my children. And the man who I have had... Wait, what? <laughs> the man who I have had three separate wet dreams about. <laughs> it is the macho man, Randy. Step into a Slim Jim Savage. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, that's not far off. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally actually. mentioned in his introduction that he was a Slim Jim spokesman. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Uh, at the beginning of the match, Paul Orndorff wanders to ringside in a neck brace. Uh, they brawl into the aisle after Orndorff has been removed by Doug Dillinger, and they focus so much on a fan who's patting Savage on the back that I begin to think he's going to have something to do with the match. <laughs> Uh, Flair, because he's Flair, blades after one of the weakest shots I've ever seen with a megaphone. Oh my gosh, this was so uh, bad. Jimmy Hart is busy molesting Randerson, so Randerson misses the cover after the megaphone shot. Randerson then misses the cover after the elbow drop. Randerson then misses Brian Pillman hopping to the top rope and getting thrown by Savage into Benoit, who'd entered the ring. Randerson then misses Arn Anderson clocking Savage with a foreign object and throwing Flair on top of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randerson then counts Savage, Savage's shoulders to the mat, and we have a new world heavyweight champion. An event that is marked by Brian Pillman spitting all over the camera lens. Yeah, yeah. So. Everyone celebrates in the ring as Pillman whips Savage with the world title. Your yeah. thoughts? Um, so I have this as Flair wins via overbooking hell. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I also thoroughly enjoyed the honest to god yeah i thoroughly enjoy the announcers being incredibly upset that brian pillman took flair's belt because you literally you literally had 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 brain going what's he that's his belt give him give him back his belt like they're on this they're on the same team right? like, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, he's boy. not he's not taking it home with him all right uh yeah this this was horrifically bad yeah. And considering that, I mean, it's flair. I get it. And, and the fact that, you know, at this point when they're announcing him as like the six time world champion, you're like, ah, oh, okay. There's, he's, he's oh, gotta, he's gotta get these belts at some point in time. Cause we know he's got 11, 11, 11, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I know it's two 80 year olds wrestling for the second time in the same night, but goddamn, the match was like so, so fucking oh, short. Gosh. It was, it was very short and it was clear that they're like, okay. We have to have both of these guys work more than one match. So we have to make sure that we have to cover up any chance that they, that we have of them being blown up after just <laughs> getting into the ring because they clearly were when you've got, this is another one that this whole show, there was just people who kept just wandering to ringside and like didn't seem like <laughs> they knew it. Cause like the camera misses Michael, Sull- uh, oh, sorry, Kevin Sullivan coming to the, to the side of the ring at first. You're just like, where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> And then he didn't even seem like he knew what he was doing there. And then in this match, yeah, you've got the four horsemen who, like, 
you know, all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, what, he's, what was he doing out there? And, oh, hey, there's another one. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. very, yeah, it, it felt very strange. And all in all, uh, this, it's not the way that I would crown a champion, but I, I mean, yeah, Flair's a heel, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, at the desk, Shivani tells us that we're not going to have an interview with Flair because of his medical condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about how great Flair is as a now 12-time champion. Tony congratulates the victors of the evening. Heenan talks about partying with the horsemen, and we go off the air. What did you think of Starcade as a whole? Um, inconsequential up until the last match. <laughs> <laughs> um, it It's also very odd to have like a number one contenders match the same night. In fact, this, the match before having the main events. Um so that's that's a little odd to me too because it would you would think that I mean I don't know who has the advantage on that because they both fought but I guess Macho had a little bit more time to yeah kind of relax but so that was that was a little bit strange because it was like well you know Flair's supposed to be the heel and you think that they would try to stack things against him but it's like well they had Macho also fight another thing it would have been a little bit better if they would have had Macho not be but yeah all in all I thought it was a a decent pay-per-view like i said the ma- yeah. the matches themselves i thought were were good up until we actually got to wcw versus wcw guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i enjoyed the program as a whole i think it certainly might be have been the most enjoyable pay-per-view we've done so far on this show um none of the matches were clunkers and though the main event was fairly short like we talked about it made sense in the grander scheme of things that both these guys had already wrestled earlier in the night uh, sadly, Hogan returns on Nitro, it looks like, and I'm interested to see what happens with the title shot that Savage promised him two weeks ago, uh, which, even though was t- supposedly taken away when he got suspended, you know they'll, they'll get it back, who cares? Oh, yeah. Um, users on Cage Match agree the show actually has a 6.09 out of 10 over there. Hmm. Um, and on that note, actually, Troy, we have another decision to make. Uh, Starcade 95 is Kensuke Sasaki's last appearance here on the Nitro Mania podcast. Uh, Sasaki successfully defended his WCW US title against One Man Gang in a dark match at Starcade, a dark match that took place after the show went off the air, by the way, uh, then has a match against Mr. JL on the New Year's Day episode of WCW Prime before leaving the company. So, do we send Kensuke Sasaki to the rafters, or do we throw him in the dumpster? When you said that name, I had to think for a second, I'm like, did I watch a match with him in this? <laughs> Uh, then you said he was in the dark match, a guy who is currently holding a championship belt. Yes. Who could not be, who instead, it's, instead of being on Team WCW, was supplanted for Johnny B. Bad. So, I'm, no, it's the, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's how, here's how meaningless he is. It's the guy who fought Sting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, that guy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bring in the dumpster. I, I I think so. I think you're gonna have to because <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't remember his name. And yeah. No. No. Put him in the dumpster. <laughs> Alright. Any other thoughts on Starcade before we move on? Um No. <laughs> Okay. God, get that dumpster out of here. It smells. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a lot. Right, there's a lot of people in there. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, January 1st. Happy New Year, Troy. Ah. 1996, and we are live from home base, Atlanta, Georgia. 
We open with a helicopter shot of the city and the sound of David Penzer counting the crowd down to live. Whoops. Whoops. Bischoff welcomes us to the show, then insults any viewer who didn't watch Starcade. Well, fuck you, Eric. Uh, tonight, Flair defends his title against Hulk Hogan. Uh-oh. <laughs> Pepe is wearing a July 4th outfit for some reason. That's Mongo I tells us that. I was like, I'm like, what the fuck is he? I'm like, is he Uncle Sam? Because I think that. Fuck you. Uh, also, like, where the fuck were you, Bischoff? I didn't see you on a pay per view. <laughs> were you watching it? His name's at the very end of the credits. That's though. true. That's true. Uh, Mongo tells us he hopes Flair's twelfth reign is his shortest ever. Bobby doubts that Hogan can f- uh, beat Flair twice within one year. Macho's demanded a match against Arn Anderson as revenge for Starcade. Bischoff promises a lot of big news tonight, then talks about Sting and Luger. Down to the ring, and your first match of 1996 is, as promised, Arn Anderson versus Randy Savage. Savage charges the ring, and Anderson attacks immediately as the crane cam moves out of the shot of the hard cam. Bischoff spoils the Raw Bowl for us, more on that later, and Mongo tells us not to talk about the Kitty Cat League. Mm-hmm. Is he making a pussy joke, or does he just think that's an insult because he's a moron? He might think that's an insult. <laughs> Uh, of note, they fight into the aisle, and standing at the corner of the barricade is the guy from last week and the week before in Augusta who looks like the huckster. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Savage unintentionally shoves Anderson into Randerson, which Arn takes as his cue to take the foreign object out of his trunks. Savage knocks him down, causing him to drop said object, which Savage picks up and clocks him with. Savage then puts the object back in Anderson's trunks, kinky, and pins him for the three count. Pillman and Benoit run to the ring and Savage bails. The two standing horsemen yell at Randerson about the foreign object as though it'll make a difference. I have to say, I actually enjoyed this match. I, I, I like that Savage got his revenge on the horsemen by playing their own game. What did you think? Yeah, um, the match itself I thought was good I um, for a battle of the balding guys. Um, <laughs> the, the camera instantly missed Arn jumping macho. So all of a sudden we cut back to the ring and Macho Man is down and Anderson is up. Um, and then the the whole foreign object thing. So obviously, you know, Arn reaches deep underneath his nutsack, pulls this thing out. <laughs> then Savage puts it in his hand. It doesn't seem to have any problem with that. And he could easily throw this to the outside. But instead is like, nope, I'm peeking at that dick. And he lifts the trunks up and throws it back into there. <laughs> um, and having having the suicide sorority of Pillman and Benoit come out to help out <laughs> was uh, uh, was an interesting touch too. Seven. <laughs> and also, there Arn Anderson tries to get help from Benoit and Pillman. I think there's four four horsemen, aren't there? Well, Flair's getting ready for his title match. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. He is. He has more important things to deal with than the guy he just beat for the championship like four <laughs> days ago. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, up next, Lord Steven Regal, accompanied by Paul F. Tompkins, sans mustache, versus Chris Benoit. Uh, Mongo says this match will be Canada succeeding from Great Britain mm. because he is a moron. <laughs> Don't think that's thing. <laughs> towards the beginning of the match, they show Hank Aaron sitting in the crowd, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, an unsurprisingly good match ends on a simple pinfall after Benoit throws himself over the top rope and Regal moves out of the way outside the ring, causing Benoit to crash to the floor. Regal then just rolled him in the ring and pinned him, despite one of his legs being under the bottom rope. But then again, that Randy Eller fellow was the referee and he's god-awful. Yeah, this this match was Rest Hold City, and it also featured Benoit hitting a tombstone pile driver 
to which Regal kicked out of. <laughs> uh, and also, Regal beat him clean. So, <laughs> in a night where three of the four horsemen are going to, to fight, we decided to have Anderson lose via shenanigans. And the young up-and-coming guy, Chris Benoit, lose via knocking himself unconscious, which is going to happen <laughs> numerous times in the future. Also, also, I like the fact that as soon as the uh, uh, as soon as this match uh, match ended, Regal got his uh, big tubby tummy out of that ring. <laughs> Gene is in the ring with three of the four horsemen and says Benoit may have had too much champagne for New Year's. Pillman admonishes Benoit and Anderson for starting 1996 0-2 after Flair won the title five days ago. Pillman then admonishes Anderson for losing to his own trick. Uh, Anderson tells Pillman to stop starting fires. Their only job is to keep the world title on Ric Flair. Anderson says there's no pot of gold in fooling around with the Dungeon Doom, and this brings out Sullivan, who's being held back by Jimmy Hart and followed by Zodiac and the Giant. Giant pulls Anderson to the back. I don't think that's right. <laughs> no no he did yeah okay no and we he, go to break uh, I've, I've got a bunch of dudes in face paint come out the giant <laughs> comes out and grabs them so yeah okay. he he can't he did come out and he grabbed both of the guys and kind of pushed them to the back this okay. whole thing was another one of those cases where i'm like i was like all right i have no idea who these two fucking guys are and okay <laughs> all right well now the giant's out there so i guess he's part of him i'm like are they part of Jimmy Hart's posse? Like, I don't, I don't know who's on whose side here. But apparently, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Sullivan, the guy in the yellow robe mm-hmm. with the uh, with the painted on weird eyebrows, mm-hmm. is the taskmaster. He's the leader of the Dungeon of Doom. Okay, which is Giant Zodiac. Uh, I don't even know. I think Mang is still employed. I don't know who else is still employed from them. Okay. But I can't wait for that to fucking end. I'm so yeah. beyond the Dungeon of so, Doom. So, so you mean to tell me that? Um, so they don't like the four horsemen. Yep. But but neither of these two teams like Sting. Yep. Okay. Because that that was where I was confused. I'm like I was like so this they is, this is your this is your good old fashioned heel on heel faction, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I also wrote down here that Benoit is already missing a tooth. So I did. Yep. I, I questioned: Did he ever have that tooth, or was he just born <laughs> that way? <laughs> Toothless aggression. Yeah, that's right. Um. But uh, I, I mean, eventually he gets a fake one put in that also gets like knocked out 17 times in his career, uh, <laughs> which is the exact same number of concussions he has. That eventually leads to his untimely death. <laughs> oh, I've lost count at this point. Via submission. Uh, <laughs> also, um, remember when TBS had all of their shows, shows start five minutes late? Yep. Yep. Because I, cause I, I remember seeing that. We had a, a promo for their next show, and yep. it was at 6.05. Yep. And I was like, I'm like, Indeed. oh, I remember that because they, they did that so that way their shows could cross into the different time slots. So all of a so sudden. Once you started watching TBS, you couldn't turn away because everything else had already started. Yeah. Well, you, you, had, you had that, but also the Nielsen ratings would then put their shows in two different time slots because of mm-hmm. that five minute overhang. So they were really trying yeah. to fuck the system over, but it was TBS and nobody was watching. Yeah. Speaking of which, this Saturday night, it's the American Males versus Anderson and Pillman <laughs> and Luger versus Cobra. Another guy who I'm like, I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is, but you don't have to. But it looks like this is Saturday Night Main Event, so I don't think it really matters. <laughs> Enter the Super Assassins oh, when we come God. back. These fucking guys. 
Or as their I, opponents, as I call them, two dudes in terrible matching luchador outfits. <laughs> their opponents are the best friends, Luger and Sting, who enter separately. Mm-hmm. As the match begins, Sergeant Craig appears at commentary yet again. Uh, Craig begs Mongo to be his manager while Bischoff looks bored. Again, I really cannot wait until this stops. Uh, this match goes a bit longer than it needed to and ended with one assassin in the torture rack and the other in the scorpion deathlock. Not even a hint of the tension from Wednesday, which is kind of annoying. Your thoughts? Not only that, like, Savage didn't seem to really care that he lost his title belt. And these two guys didn't seem to care that they beat the shit out of each other a couple of days ago. And the ref didn't seem to care about any of the rules because he just <laughs> he just kept allowing like it was like a tornado take team match at, at, at certain points in this match. Yeah, mm, I w, WCW WCW. That's what you could say. <sighs> Fuck Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Speaking of which, to Gene in the aisle waiting for Jimmy Hart and the Giant. Hart basically calls himself the slut of managers, saying he'll decide who he'll work for on a night-by-night, match-by-match basis. Giant promises to destroy Hogan tonight. This is why I'm confused, because he doesn't even know who he manages anymore. <laughs> Back from a Slim Jim break, and Eric tells us that Clash of the Champions is Tuesday, January 23rd on TBS. I guess that explains why there's no pay-per-view in January. Yeah. Enter your world champion for your main event, entering first because fuck Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I also love the fact that, one, it's so 1986 that even the Clash of Champions logo is on Coke because it doesn't stop moving. <laughs> and also, the, the graphic for our main events, despite the fact that Flair is champion, still has Hogan in front of him. Yep. Fuck Hogan. Uh, during Hogan's entrance, I can't help but notice a sign in the crowd that says, I be for Jesus, who you be for. I must have missed that one. <laughs> so, Troy, who, who you who you be for? Well, I be for Hogan's giant fucking forehead uh, and also <laughs> for giant cowboy hat guy, who I am pretty sure pissed off everybody behind him because they can't see. <laughs> Back from break for your opening bell, Flair is still wearing the yellow boots with red knee pads that he was wearing at Starcade, and it looks weird when he's going against Hogan. Uh... Huckster leads the crowd in a Hogan Hogan chant, and Flair goes on the offensive. Hogan begins no-selling Flair, but eventually gets dropped by a back elbow. Flair goes up top, and as always, gets dumped to the mat. Hogan then clotheslines him over the top. Shh. Not in not in title matches. Not in title matches. Hogan <laughs> no-sells a whip into the barricade, clotheslines Flair, and tosses him back into the ring. Flair then starts working Hogan's leg and locks on a figure four, which Hogan eventually rolls over. This brings out Jimmy Hart to distract Hogan of while course. Flair goes back to the leg. Hogan hulks up, uh, and we go through the motions. But instead of pinning Flair after the leg drop, he goes after Jimmy Hart, which brings Arn Anderson to the ring. Anderson clocks Hart with the knucks. Nice of Macho to give those back to him. Damn. And Hogan pops right back up because fuck Anderson and fuck Savage. Mm-hmm. Hogan knocks Anderson down and then retrieves the object from Anderson, which causes Randerson to call for a DQ for no reason whatsoever. Okay, so here's where I put Hogan as a fucking moron. <laughs> so he manages to thwart Arn Anderson. So now all he has to do is just kind of shove him out of the ring. He's already got Flair pretty fucked up. And instead, he's like, Randerson, he tried to use these nucks on me to disqualify them. It's like, you just lost your chance at getting the fucking belt, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Hogan proceed, takes out all. Yeah, f- pro- proceed to where Giant decides to go to a local Walmart. <laughs> Hogan takes out all four horsemen who beg off until the Giant appears carrying a stool of all things. <laughs> Macho runs out to take the stool away, which I don't think Giant was expecting based on his reaction. It didn't look that way. Hogan. Hogan punches Giant, which sends him out of the ring. Giant freaks out and grabs some random table that was standing in the aisle for some reason. And Zodiac stops him, yelling, friend, and hurt, alongside his usual nose. That I wish see, I wish the Zodiac had gone away once we threw him in the dumpster. Yeah, this is, anyway. this is why I, I was, again, confused by who the fuck this guy was. And then once he started doing that, first of all, I didn't realize he was saying friend. I just yeah. thought he was, I thought he was saying Fred. And I'm you, like, you know who that you know who that is, right? Zodiac is Zodiac. Uh, no, I don't know who that is. That is uh, that's our old buddy Brutus the Bra Bra Beefcase. Oh, okay, that makes oh. sense. Because, Beefcase because the because uh, that, that fucker has had so, had so many terrible yeah. fucking gimmicks. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Giant legit doesn't look like he knows what the fuck he's supposed to do during this whole thing because yeah, <laughs> first of all, he grabbed a bar stool, which is like, did you grab that from where you were sitting in the back? <laughs> Like we have special chairs for this, and yeah. then of course we're then of course like they Stool. they took it away from him because clearly no man this isn't breakable <laughs> you can't hit anybody with it. So then he's that just, belongs that belongs to the building. Yeah, no, 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 no. We didn't pay for this. And then he goes inside. He's just like fuck. I'm gonna grab the next best thing I got, and it's a table with a two by four underneath. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Uh, yeah, the the begging off thing w- of the four horsemen w- makes them look WCW crazy. has the shittiest tables you'll ever see. Oh, like, yeah. They're not your folding tables like you see in WWF. They're these bizarre, like, <laughs> plywood two-by-four tables mm-hmm. that just kind of appear out of nowhere. Oh. Yeah. Also, this is somehow not the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, it never is. Uh, I was so very worried that they were actually going to put the title right back on Hogan here that I couldn't really enjoy the match that well. Mm-hmm. That and Hogan just drags down the enjoyment of most oh, of his matches. God. He was so bad. And yeah, the, this is another one of those cases where he clearly is not thinking about anyone else on the card where it's like, okay, you can't, oh. you can't no sell a fucking nuck shot when earlier in the day we had like you, Hogan or we had, we had, uh, Savage being so worried about getting hit with the nucks. <laughs> Yeah. Now th- I'm kind of uh, giving you a behind the scenes behind the scenes peek here, but you want to talk about not caring about anyone else on the card? We'll get to that in in a few weeks. Oh, here. I'm sure <laughs> there is some bullshit that goes down uh, regarding regarding match order on some of these uh, some of these Nitro episodes. Oh, but that's sure. uh, Emma, that, that'll that'll come up in the in the next couple of weeks we'll, here on Nitro we'll Mania. Get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh God. Um. Fuck was I? Uh, oh, the class. <laughs> Uh, I wrote the clusterfuck at the end was interesting. Why the hell would you grab a stool? <laughs> um, and the Zodiac, who we'd already thrown in the dumpster, just appearing and yelling. I thought we were done with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the ring with Gene and the Mega Powers, Hogan says they're all up in each other's business and challenges Flair and Anderson to a tag match next week on Nitro. Then Hogan quotes Buzz Lightyear for some goddamn reason. Hogan then extends the promo by a good two minutes by just continuously challenging the manhood of the horseman. He's. I've noticed in the past few weeks that that he is very good at not sticking to times on promos. Oh yeah, yeah. He just does what he wants. I mean, you know, yeah. The Rock kind of does it himself too. But mm-hmm. yeah, he he clearly has no regard for anything else on this show. And the fact that yeah, that he no sold pretty much every single move done to him in the main event here. Uh, and again, he ha- he had to make sure that uh, he. 
I mean, he won this match. He didn't win the belt or whatever like that. But he still had to make sure that he looked great because, yeah, he no-sold even a fucking knuck shot to the face. Right. The same knuck shot to the face that cost Savage the belt the night, or the night before. Yes. Uh, anyway. Because yeah, fuck Savage. Uh, back to the desk where Bischoff confirms that that match will take place next week. Heenan does not appear happy. Bischoff then makes fun of the WWF for being pre-taped some more. Mongo then piles on. Bischoff makes a crack about convictions, which is funny when Hogan is your main draw. And we go off the air. Uh, a decent show. I really like the first two matches. The tag match went on a bit too long, and then the main event was just craziness. If you go back and watch anything on this episode, I would recommend the Regal Benoit match, despite the weird finish. Uh, what did you think about WCW's start to what could be argued as the greatest year in professional wrestling history? Uh, I thought it was weird to have your your champion to have his lackeys look so fucking <laughs> terrible this entire <laughs> show because the Four Horsemen now like should have all the power because they've got the world championship, but they proceed mm-hmm. to lose both of their matches. One, yeah, you could be like, okay, I mean, Savage outsmarted Arn, uh, Arn Anderson. The Benoit one just makes no fucking sense to have him lose to Regal and like in the dumbest way yeah, possible because <laughs> he because he missed a move to the outside and then Regal picked up a win and yeah and then again having them come back in the main event and look even fucking worse by having all four of them beg not to get hit there's four of you it's one guy with a yeah. little piece of metal on his hand like attack him all at once yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've also noticed that the WCW has a big thing about not saving things for the pay per view because we get title matches like every fucking week. Oh, and now you're gonna start start sounding like Jason. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I at this point in time, I don't think that they're really that concerned with their pay per view buys. They will be obviously very very soon. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, considering that we just had Starcade, which is supposed to be their biggest event really not have any kind of feud culmination with anything um and then yeah like i said you've got you've got savage who's like i'm i'm so pissed off i'm not going to challenge the guy i just lost my belt to i'm gonna challenge out of his lackeys and for Mm -hmm. whatever reason hulk hogan gets a title shot instead of me even though i was the most recent champion yeah hulk hogan whose title shot was taken away when he was suspended they told us that last week Mm -hmm. Ugh. Well, he got it back for, for time served. Yeah. <laughs> over on Cage Match, this show has a 5.07 out of 10, so the fans over there found it almost perfectly average. Mm, yeah. uh, the show held steady with a 2.5 TV rating. Now, we've got a little more work to do here, uh, as this episode of Nitro is sadly the last appearance of the Super Assassins. Uh, we first saw them in the World War Three Battle Royal, and we second saw them here tonight uh super assassin number one will go back to being the barbarian a gimmick he had in wwf before coming over to wcw super assassin number two will never be seen again at least not on this show he'll (laughs) go back to his old wwf gimmick of the warlord and work indies all over the u.s and canada and occasionally germany something he still does to this day oh i i really really wish that said would have ended with he was never seen again (laughs) (laughs) but ignoring the legacy gimmicks this should be pretty easy Super Assassins, Rafters, or Dumpster? Is there a third option like Garbage Disposal? Because these guys were terrible. First of all, I had no fucking clue what the hell they were when they came out. (laughs) Other than fat luchadors, I guess. But yeah, very inconsequential run here for two guys who were 
uh, equally inconsequential <laughs> for their other stuff. So. <laughs> the warlord and the barbarian. Yeah. 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 All right. Bring back the dumpster. Really, that really fucking smells. Get out of here. Well, that's be- right. that's, oh. that's because you got Sabu in there. Uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> Is that a racial joke? Anyway, I don't know. Uh, over we'll, on, we'll, over we'll on let Raw, the fans decide. <laughs> over on Raw, it was as mentioned earlier the first ever and thankfully last ever Raw Bowl. The Raw Bowl was, of course, a four-team elimination match, but with extra bullshit that added nothing special and just made it take forever, like timeouts. Oh, and they're wearing football jerseys while they wrestle. Also, teams can wrestle each other, which makes no goddamn sense because, what, you're going to pin your tag team partner and get eliminated from the match? Basically, it's a giant piece of garbage. I actually went back and watched the goddamn thing because I'm a glutton for punishment. Evidence, this show. Uh, and I don't know what was more painful, the match itself or the all the football puns McMahon and Lawler forced into commentary. Uh, also on Raw this week, a replay of the Hogpen match from In Your House and an eight-second squash of King Mabel by Diesel. I'm not sure why you're you're calling it the the Raw Bowl when it has a, a name, the Lipton Brist Iced Tea WBF Raw Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> this show also featured the announcement of Vader coming to the WWF in the Royal Rumble and the start of the Billionaire Ted skits, which main-evented the goddamn show. The wrestling War Room. <laughs> this show, unsurprisingly, has a 1.88 rating on Cage Match. But did defeat Nitro in the ratings somehow, getting a two point six. Do you do you remember the Raw Bowl at all? I have. This is the first I've ever heard of this. <laughs> oh, I was lucky. You. I don't think I was old enough yet. I I mean for sure. Shut for, up. For sure. Well, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, I was. Eleven. Tw- eleven. I was eleven when this was going on. So not quite in that. Uh, Ninety-seven was really when. Uh, my wrestling knowledge takes off because that was obviously mm-hmm. the Attitude Era, and that was where I got you know into it. Yeah. So this uh, this obviously watching this was like it was like I know these guys, I know some of these guys, but I don't know them as this. Uh, but yeah, I might have to go back and watch that because it sounds mm-hmm. ridiculously terrible. It's terrible. I was uh, I was thirteen at the time and had been watching Raw for probably about a year and a half at this point, mm-hmm. and this uh, for some reason decided to stick with it. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do don't, do yourself a favor and don't go back and watch the Rubble. Um, go go back and watch Billionaire Ted. Hmm. Uh, which again, main event at the goddamn show for fuck's sake. Anyway, that does it for this episode of Nitromania. I want to thank my guest Troy for sitting through almost five hours of wow. WCW programming for this. Uh, Troy, where can people find you online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rockstar Troy. Um, you can go to the slasher sanitarium.weebly.com for my other podcast, the slasher sanitarium, as well as see me on the quest and network, the slasher sanitarium on there. Um, you can also catch me on this very feed. The, what? um, it is my intention, uh, now that I am through watching five hours of WCW to go back to watching, uh, an hour a week of NXT to start getting that up, <laughs> as well as finishing off the glow stick uh, episodes that I have. Yet it's been a little a little rough lately uh, to try to get things things done, especially with it being October, um, with my birthday last week and things like that. So 
Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get everything back on. I really need to get through glow stick because I need to get that off my plate. Uh, and, and I also really want to know what happens in the series. So, cause I have not pre-watched those. Was that a cheap pop for your birthday? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, cause I didn't, I didn't have anything else that I brought it up with. So, um, but yeah, uh, obviously, you know, we just had, uh, or I just returned to the rundown after uh, taking a week off so that we could get, uh, uh, Justin on the show to, uh, to, uh, push his show Yesterland Waltz on Tough if TV. You, if you haven't checked out that episode of the rundown, I do uh, recommend it. Actually, I thought uh, I thought Jason and Justin did a really great job, despite Jason's audio issues last yeah. week. Yeah, but, uh, I thought the episode itself was really good. Yeah, it was it was nice to hear kind of a, a new voice on on the rundown that didn't have a Boston accent. Uh, so. <laughs> And, and yeah, um, me coming back, obviously we, we reviewed, uh, you know, tender loving cunts and continued to, you know, talk about the terribleness that is the current product. There's just, uh, at some point in time, one of us has to watch actually good wrestling, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm, wa- I'm watching NXT, so I guess that kind of counts, but they also, I'm, have, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. I, I, we're getting there. We're getting to the top before it all goes downhill mm-hmm. again. I feel like I'm 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 at that point too because yes, we've got Seth as champion on NXT Revisited, but we also have Eddie Guerrero's terrible daughter still in uh, on the show. So <laughs> eventually we'll get. But then again, I think of the fact that like yeah, eventually I'm going to get to the fact that even Bree's going to show up on NXT Revisited if I'm still alive by the time that those episodes start coming the way. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot more terribleness to come and you have some exceptional terribleness to come. <laughs> oh yes. So, oh yes. But of course we have to stay tuned in to the rundown wrestling podcast feed in order to get all those episodes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Chris Sullivan, who makes fun of me at every lucky pro show for not knowing what's coming on Nitromania. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? Yes, sir. You know what? You're, you're, you're as blinded to it as Nancy Benoit was to what was coming to her, so. If I didn't, if I didn't have more plugs, I would just end it there. Send me your suggestions, <laughs> questions, comments, etc. to rundownwrestling at gmail.com or tweet me at rundown podcast. Check out all the shows on the rundown feed in each, every, each and every week, like Troy talked about, as well as the other shows on the questionable endeavor network at questend.com, like say this one. You have been invited to the Slasher Sanitarium. Come join us as we talk about horror movies, horror fiction, and horror television. Subscribe now to the Slasher Sanitarium. New episodes coming soon. And if you want to see me live, come on out to APW Wrestling at the Salisbury Boys and Girls Club Saturday, November 18th. Um, and if Troy has nothing else to add. Nope. And we'll see you next week on an all new old episode of Nitromania. Yay!